Welcome, everybody, to another smashing episode of Island Ghost Radio. I'm Mike Taylor. I'm Diane Kinsale. And joining us by phone, sadly she cannot join this party tonight, is Erica. Say hi, Erica. Hey, Erica. Erica, what happened? You couldn't make bail? <laughs> yeah. Let's not start spreading vicious rumors now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Erica, you're missing this wonderful party. Wait, wait, hold on one second. What? Oh, you're serving cheese and wine? Oh, sorry, Erica, you're missing out on the cheese and wine. And the Budweiser. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 hold on, what? What? Oh, oh, they're giving away free money later, free money. Oh, you're missing out on all the free money. We get to keep her money. It's not, it's never a party without me, so... Yes, that's true. All right, let me end this party. Hold on. Throw them out. Tell them to leave the money. I'm having car trouble, but I do not want to miss tonight's guest. Ah, and who is tonight's guest? It's Stephen Lachance, and I'm totally psyched about this. Ah, yes, and he'll be coming up soon. But first, first, first. we received a voicemail from Jamie from Shreveport Paranormal Investigations. He sounds a bit ticked off. He sounds a bit ticked off. Uh, I'm just going to play it, and we'll talk about it after. Okay. Hi, guys. I'd really like for you to play this on the show, because I know they're going to hear it. This is Jamie McCaskill with Shreveport Paranormal Investigations. I recently placed an order with Ghostmark.com. have not received it. In fact... After I tried many times to contact them, they would not. They began to not answer the phone. Also, when I told them that they needed to give me my product after I had ordered it a month ago and that I, it still has not shipped, they canceled my order and has not given me a refund yet. I am very displeased with them, and I'd like for every paranormal investigator out there to know just how they treat their customers. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they can resolve this. I hope uh, GoSmart.com um, resolve it, get in touch with us, or Jamie will let us know if, if this gets resolved or not. I hope it does. Yeah, I mean, it seems odd that when he questioned his order, they canceled it instead of giving him a ship date. Or a refund. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. And what was he trying to buy? You guys know? Uh, yeah, he had uh, wrote to me and said he was trying to buy a Mel meter. Huh, that's not cheap. No. I mean, there are other places he can order them from. Yeah, but the the bottom line is he hasn't received his money back. Right, exactly. So, and like Erica said, if GoSmart wants to get in touch with us, our number is 631-676-1079. Were you about to say the number as I was saying it? Yes, I was. Ah. I'm programmed to say the number. Ah, uh, Yes, you are. <laughs> and if anybody's had any problems with GoSmart, uh, leave us a voicemail. Let us know. Or if you just want to call up and moan and drool on the phone, we'd appreciate that, too. So give us a call. We enjoy that. Yeah, we get off on that. Oh, wait. Was <laughs> well, I you might. Was I not supposed to mention that? Sorry. No, that's just you. <laughs> Sorry. Don't pull us into your little schemes. Wow. Well, Jamie from Shreveport Paranormal, I, uh, I hope things work out. Keep us posted. Jamie's a good friend of the show, so I'm sure he'll uh, keep us up to date on what's going on. All right. Well, why don't we take a break? We'll come back with... Stephen Lachance. Yes. Stephen Lachance. You're listening to... Island Ghost Radio.
Stephen Lachance is an extreme haunting specialist, author, speaker, talk show radio host, and executive producer. Stephen's focus is on extreme, private hauntings. He is frequently called upon to speak about various investigations he was involved in. He has also been a featured guest on many radio programs across the nation. In October of 2006, Fear House premiered as the first show of the third season of the Discovery Channel, A Haunting. This show featured Stephen and the story of the Union haunting. He was included in the Booth Brothers documentary, Children of the Grave. Stephen is also featured in Children of the Grave 2, The Possessed. Most recently, Stephen has directed and co-produced a documentary titled The Morris Mill Project. Stephen is also a published author of The Uninvited, the complete story of what happened at the Union Screaming House. This is a true story that captured the imagination of millions, and he has just finished his newest book called Crazy. Stephen's personal experience, his involvement in many other paranormal experiences, and the philosophy he has developed towards paranormal investigations makes him a fascinating speaker. He travels with the Haunted Survivors Tour, along with Denise Jones. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Stephen. Hello. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, I'm glad to be here, actually. The first thing we, we wanted to uh, talk to you about was, I mean, we, we've all seen um, your episode of Haunting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, without giving too much away, we know... Um, the book that you wrote, The Uninvited, is about that same haunting, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, The Uninvited deals with that. Um, the first part of the question is, can you tell us about that haunting without giving too much away? And secondly, we, we wanted to compare the version that the Discovery Channel had on to what actually really happened. Oh, boy. And see how close it is. You got about you got about ten hours. <laughs> if you need it, we'll take it. <laughs> well, you know, really, that's that's why the that's why I wrote the book. Um, you know, it was it was actually Christopher Booth's idea uh, to write the right. book. He, you know, he um, it was after the uh, haunting came out in October that year, and it was um, it was in the spring. Christopher, he he had seen a haunting, and he said, you know, and then after getting to know me and talking to me, you know, we became friends. Uh, he said, he goes, you know, you, you really need to write that book uh, because it, it, it does differ quite a bit. Uh, and, oh, yeah. You know, and he, yeah, it does. And he said, you know, it's, you know, people need to hear this, you know, and um, because, the, you know, a uh, haunting stops at a certain point. You know, they, they don't tell the whole story, but then it stops at a certain point. And there's a whole lot that happened afterwards. Um, but, you know, we moved in the house. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you ever think about uh, making a motion picture out of this, too? Um, that's, that's in the works. <laughs> that's, awesome. I've been in talk um, uh, uh, for that for, for um, a couple months now. Ah. Um, yeah. It's right time, right place, um, you know, right project at right time for whoever you're talking to, too. Um, it's you know so we're working with that right now. We hope so, uh, yeah. in your version there will be no uh, bodies coming out of the wall near the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, okay, now I, I, do you real? I, yeah, <laughs> just got that. Oh boy, you guys slamming on the uh, You know, I was just as shocked about that as you were. Okay, I got to be honest. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I you know. I gotta be honest. I saw when I saw that, um, 
I, I, if I was with my friend, it, Teresa, and I looked at her and I said, if they do that to my book, I'd kill it. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand, you know, and now I understand what they meant, you know, um, what they meant by it. It was, you know, but they didn't explain that, you know, it was, it was supposed to, um, have, you know, explain the amount of spirits that were in the house, it was they were they were trying to be. It was supposed to be a little bit more artsy, right? And I, I don't think it came across that way. Yeah, um, I think it, people came out very took it very very literally. Um, you yeah. know, and I you know, and I talked to John about it too, and you know, John's Zappas, and you know, uh, you know, and I think he, you know, he, I think you know, he, 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 he um, thought people probably took it too literally as well. Yeah, um, it, it, Hollywood probably took liberties. Once you understand it, you go, yeah, I could kind of see that. I see what they were trying to do. Right. Well, I, if anybody's uh, listening to us and are not sure what movie we're talking about, we're talking about a haunting in Connecticut. Mm. Not the uh, Discovery Channel documentary. <laughs> yeah, you're talking. You know, um, yeah, that was that was a shocker to to all of us. But you know, that movie really uh, the first, well, the first half of it, uh, you know, was was very well done. Yes. Uh, you know, this starting out with her telling her story the way it did, and, and tapping into the the emotional things that were going on with the family at the time. Uh, was very very important. Important. Uh, if you remember, uh, we look back in Amityville, and, and what they did with that was the the you know um, the Lutzes walk in the house and they're looking at the house, and you really don't know who the Lutzes are, what they're about, other than the fact that they're this newlywed couple that have some kids. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember reading the book years ago and i was screaming uh and you know and seeing the film and i was screaming at the end for the dog to be alive uh. not <laughs> the family you know it's like you know so you know the thing is is you know um and those were during my skeptical days you know but so when i when i when i went around with the book i, I realized the importance of uh writing the book was you know people really need to know who you are and know how you got from a to b because you know you don't just get there, right? Um, it's a road that you go down. You know, and, and each of the people that have ever been through a hunting will tell you, you know, there were things that were building up to this. It just didn't start with that location. Things were right. come. You know, you know, they lo- you, when you hit that location is when things come to a head. Right. You know, but things were building up to it. So, um, I was. It was great to see that they told some of the background story first. Yes. All right. And I believe uh, Eric had asked if you could fill us in with a brief uh, summary of your story. How, yeah, you... we were headed. That's where we were headed. Yeah, we know? were headed there. <laughs> you, had to, you, had to, you had to throw the bodies in on me, dude. <laughs> well, well, let me you know, just. Uh... I, I started to, and you threw the bodies, and then you sidetracked me. Well, uh, let me just <laughs> ask this real quick. Uh, were you a believer before this all happened to you, or a skeptic, yeah. or? Complete skeptic. Okay. Complete skeptic. Uh, probably the worst type of skeptic, uh, you know, uh, God has a, a, a strange way of, of playing jokes on people, uh, uh, because <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would have been the first in line to, um, probably look at you and go, yeah, you're nuts. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you know, so that, that, that plays into it because, you know, when we may in the May of 2001, when we moved into the house and things started happening with the kids, you know, Elliot, my son was seeing, you know, um, he went to the basement and he was chased up from the basement by something 
uh, unseen uh, that scared, literally scared the, the bejesus out of him. I mean, I remember finding him in the middle of the uh, kitchen just screaming, uh, completely oh, wow. white. They they did they don't really show it. They show him, you know, running up, and you know, it's not like in a haunting where he could talk. I mean, when I found him, he was almost in shock. He was white, mm-hmm. um, you wow. know, and he, he, yeah. You know, but I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, you know, basement, you know, something chased you up, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, there's nothing down there. I'm sure of it, you know, and it's, you know, um, and did the father thing, you know, and I told him to come, I tried to get him to come with me. He would not come with me down in the basement, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking to him to convince him and I'm, you know, and after I saw there was nothing down there, I, you know, after talking to him, I was trying to, you know, the only conclusion I could come up with was, you know, the basement monster, you know, all kids are afraid of, you know, the basement monster, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, it's just, I, I thought Elliot just went through a more extreme, uh, basement monster incident, you know, but the thing is, is he, the more he was out of my arm's reach, anytime he was out of my arm's reach within the house, I would find him in that state. Uh, wow. you know, he would be claiming this happened to him and that happened to him. Uh, it was interesting because, you know, in one of the interviews that he did, and, you know, um, he's older now, he's 19, and uh, he's talking about it more. And uh, one of the interviews he did, you know, he, he talks about, you know, he could feel eyes upon him all the time. Uh, you know, he could feel, it, you know, it, it looking at him all the time when he was in there. And it would just, yeah. you know, he has, a, he has a progress. It just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I didn't know this was going on. My daughter, you know, then she starts um, being unable to sleep up in her room. Um, the boys were sleeping with me at the point because I had just ordered them beds from um, a, a furniture store uh, because uh-huh. of the move. You know, because I, we I thought, well, they had these bunk beds that I, they just weren't going to work. And uh, so I just ordered them beds, and we were waiting for those to come in. And she was sleeping upstairs, you know, by herself. And she came down and she said, I can't sleep up there anymore. She goes, the, there's stuff moving around. My closet door won't stay closed. She goes, can I sleep with you? So there I am, and I'm sleeping with three kids at once. And I'm thinking, gosh, what did I do wrong here? What's going on? You know, and I thought, well, you know, because being a single dad, you know, you're thinking, well, it's possibly, you know, it could be that or, you know, because, you know, um, kids with uh, divorce issues, you know, the, that could be it, or, you know, the move was too much for them, because anytime you take a move with, with the child, you know, any type of change in a child's life, especially those those kids who have been through a divorce, they really need structure, you know, so I'm thinking that probably is that, or, you know, I'm thinking what is, there's something going on here, I'm just not sure what it is, I wasn't right. ready to jump into, okay, it's a ghost, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But the strange thing is, is every time we would come home, though, we were finding the, all of the lights on, you know, and I'm not talking one or two, but it would be all the lights in the uh-huh. house. You know, and I, you know, I was talking to my dad about it. You know, my dad was a contractor electrician. Um, that's, you know, it dealt with all kinds of things like that. And he said, well, you know, um, there's nothing that's going to turn all your lights on. You know, um, you know, there was other things going on. There was like an electrical feeling that you would walk into, you know, so he had checked out the house at one point, but I told him about the lights and he said, you know, he goes, this is what you probably should do. He goes, do this. He goes, put all the kids in the car. He goes, you know how it is. He goes, when you guys were kids, every time you walk past the light switch, you turned a light on. He goes, put them all in the car in the morning. 
and he goes and go through the house, make sure all the lights are off. He goes, and then, you know, he goes, I guarantee you when you come home, and uh, he goes, all the lights will be off. Well, I did that, and when I came home, every single light in the house was on. Mm. And I went running through the house that night, and I I just knew that, you know, we had someone in there. And I could find no one. I mean, I went through closets and everything. I called the landlady, and uh, she, you know, in the book, she's a man, by the way. Um, <laughs> they made me change it uh, for legal reasons. <laughs> wow. Publishers do that to you. But the, uh, very much the same person. As a matter of fact, when you read the book, um, the only thing that I changed was the she's to a he. So, you know, just remember that when you read the book. To protect the innocent, I guess. <laughs> yeah, to protect the innocent. There's, there's no innocence there. But uh, <laughs> there's no innocence there. I mean, I'll explain that to you. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you know, so it, it, this stuff was going on. And, you know, in, it was, you know, in, as a matter of fact, there was one night that later on that he, he had brought me over there after we had left um, that, um, all that morning, I had to pick some stuff up, and I had to pick some stuff in the evening, and all the lights were off in the morning. And when he brought me back, all the lights were on. So he, he got to see it, too. Pretty, it shook him up pretty bad. But um, So all this stuff's going on. And finally, I, I used to travel because I was a, a trainer for a corporation. And that, that puts you on the road for sometimes for a week or two at a time. And I was getting ready to go to Indiana. I remember where I was going. And... Um, I always made the kids play games or something, you know, we would do family, you know, it's, you know, if you don't have quantity time, you have quality time. Um, yeah. So before we would leave, we'd do something as a family. Well, that night we were playing a game. Um, the kids were getting the game ready. It was, it was a Monopoly game, I remember. And I uh, was sitting in the living room. I could see the family room and I could see the kitchen door um, from where I was sitting on the couch. And they were getting the, the game ready. And I looked up into the kitchen door and there was a smoky black figure of a man standing there. And I looked down because I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, think about this. You're a skeptic. You don't believe anything. And then you, you're, you, you, this is pushed into your face. I thought, well, you know, I'm seeing things. <laughs> you know, I think, well, when I look back up, this thing's going to be gone. You know, I look back up and not only was it still there, it moved into the family room and then it, it dissipated from there. Um, so I decided we were going to leave the house. You know, you didn't see that in a haunting, by the way. Um, so I decided we were going to leave the house, and you didn't see this in a haunting either. Um, so I stood up, and I told the kids, let's go. I told them we are going to go get a soda and then go to Grandma's. And, and they, the boys were, you know, they were kind of, we want to play a game. You know, my, my daughter saw, because I had picked my keys up. Thank God they were on the coffee table in front of me. I picked my keys up, and she saw my right hand shaking. And she knew something was wrong, and she told them, let's go. And um, we went to the front door. Now, it was an old house where you had to put the key in from the outside to, to lock it. Mm-hmm. And I turned around, and when I got outside, and I closed the door, and I put the key in. And when I put the key in, uh, a, a male scream came up from inside the house. Oh, wow. It was loud. It, it screamed. Oh. The house screamed. Um, it was loud. It was um, the, the best way to describe it is think of someone being stabbed, um, killed, uh, tortured. It was very tortured. Um, all the um, animals in the neighborhood started barking at the same time. Uh, but at that point, the kids heard it, you know, and we were, on, you know, we were on the run like the Lutzes, even though I didn't want to do that. But we were, right. you know, and as we were driving away, my son had always told me that he would see someone standing in the up, upstairs window. And as we were driving away, he said, Daddy, there it is. You know, I can see it. Look, look, look. 
and I looked really quick, and there was in the upstairs window stood that smoky figure of that man, you know. Um, but we ended up going back about a week later because I, I did, have you ever you've been homeless, you, you know, you would understand. Uh, I put everything I had into the move, and while I was gone for a week, I justified to myself over and over, it's not going to happen again, you know. Um, you know, I can't afford to move. What am I going to do? Uh, you know, so, you know, we'll be okay. If yeah, maybe okay, it's gone away. I'll, I'll get somebody in there, which was, I tried, and that was a joke. Right. But um, so um, when we got the plane landed on Friday, I was convinced that we'll go back and we'll be all right. And we did. And when we went back, everything was fine for two days. And this is the short capsulate version, guys. And we went back for two days. And um, on the third day, uh, it was a Sunday night. Um, we went to my mom and dad's, and when we came home, the kids were playing in the downstairs bedroom. And there's two doors to that bedroom, and then both of those doors were open. The boys were playing, my daughter, and I could hear them. And I was sitting in a chair in the family room, and I kind of dozed off, and the phone rang. And I picked up the phone, and it was my mom, and we were talking, and she was asking me if everything was going all right. And I said it was fine. And in the, the process of the conversation, I heard the door shake. Um, and it was not just one door, it was every door in the house. And um, when that happened, I thought, well, the boys are up playing a trick on me. And I yelled, you know, for them to cut it out. And, and then it did it again, and this time a little louder. And it was like the proverbial scary movie. Every time I would say, cut it out, it would do it again louder. Huh. Uh, wow, and my, my mom was like, what's going on? And I said, well, I think, you know, the boys are up goofing around. You know, and I said, cut out, and it happened again, and louder. Well, my daughter yelled from the bedroom, Daddy, I'm in here. My brothers are asleep. What's going on? At that point, she said that both of the bedroom doors slammed shut. Huh. And the house just broke out, and um, just all hell broke loose. Um, it started screaming again. Um, the house started shaking, which I understand what that is now. There's a there's a, a booming that comes with uh, the release of psychic energy. If you talk to John Zaffis, he'll explain it to you. Um, and it, it will actually shake the house. And it, it almost feels like an earthquake in the house, by the way. Um, and I was running for the door, and, I, and there was something coming down from upstairs. I could, you know, I could hear it. And that um, upstairs stairs ended at the doorway one of the doorways to that bedroom um there was a doorway that at the living room and i ran to that door and when i went to try to open it it wouldn't open and i could hear her screaming on the other side of the door uh, which is the most horrible thing in the world you can imagine is to hear your child screaming and not get to him and i tried to open the door and it wouldn't open wow and i started you tried again it wouldn't open i started throwing my body against the door and it wouldn't open and i'm like six seven and uh, I should have been able to bring any door down. And, it, you know, I just kept throwing my body against the door. She, I kept hearing the screaming. I, everything was still going on. I could hear her screaming, thinking, I didn't, thinking God knows what's going on with her on the other side of that door. And at one point I screamed, God, help me, and the door gave way. Um, when the door gave way, the boys were, getting, were, were stirring up in the bed. I, I told them, get out of here. They run to the front door, and they ran to the front door and ran out. Um, when I got to my daughter, she was in shock. Hmm. I grabbed her, and I headed to the door. And as I headed to the door, that other door behind me that didn't know that I, I did go through that was still closed slammed open, and there was something at my feet. And I didn't turn around to see what it was. Um, wow. I just wanted out. Um, it's so we, 
it's one thing for an adult to have to endure something like that, but I feel so bad for the children. Right. You know, and that was it. It was, you know, it's one thing, you know, that, you know, later finding out that that we weren't the only family that this stuff happened to, you know. Um, it happened to numerous families uh, before and after. Uh, and this house was was continually being rented with the knowledge that this stuff was going on. And this house was being rented to children. It was just completely uh, unacceptable. Why um, Why this house? Did you check through the history? Were there... Were there any deaths in the house? Any, any violent crimes, murders? Well, you know, the thing is, is there's so much there that it could be a number of things. The house was built right on top of what was the slave quarters of a Civil War captain. Ah. Uh, he, he actually started the first Missouri militia of the Civil War. Um, you, you go about 1,000 feet um, to the one side of the house, and near um, stands what they used as a Civil War infirmary at one time. Uh, and after that, they turned it into the county poorhouse. Now, the county poorhouse, they, you know, when people died, um, they buried them in a mass grave. You know, yeah. you, you didn't get dignified burial. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a joke around here that um, if you don't know where your ancestors buried, they're probably buried in the city park. Huh. Um, where where this mass grave is, and this mass grave is only is less than about 500 feet from the front door. Wow! You know, so you got that. You know, um, there, some murders happened behind the house um, in, because there was a saloon there at one time um, for railway workers. The railway workers were tough guys; uh, they really were. Um, you know, there were some hangings that took place on the property. Uh, there were some murders uh, that happened across, you know. So you put all that together, you know, and you got a recipe for a haunting, I guess. You know, I can't, I can't tell you um, exactly one thing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, it could be a combination. Know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's bad land, bad land. It's, it's, it's a negative bunch of stuff, you know. But you you know that night when we when we left, I parked at the top of the street because I knew my mom and dad were coming. Because you know I threw the phone, um, and uh, as I was where I was say I parked at the corner where I could look into the house, and I you know that smoky black figure. I you know it was summer. I could have the windows open so I could see in from even up there, and I could see the black figure going back and forth into the rooms, almost like it was looking for us. You know, so I don't know what would have happened if we wouldn't have went. You know, um, you know, the, the other, we were fortunate, though, uh, because talking to some of the other families, you know, uh, I, you know, there were some very horrible things that happened there. Uh, bite marks, scratches. Uh, one of the girls liked to saw one of the little girls. Um, the needle actually flew out of her, um, her needle cushion and, and flew into her body. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, uh, just extreme, extreme type things. You know, the woman that moved in, um, you know, uh, that I actually went back to help that you guys saw in the, the show, you know, actually ended up, she, she actually ended up being raped by uh. the thing. Uh, you know, and that's when you see in the show when she's in the corner and I come and take her to the hospital. But what they don't show you is that when I get her to the hospital, her blood pressure is... Um, 200 and uh, 200 and uh, I think it's 209 over 196. Oh, her pulse was at 45. 
and she was sitting there talking like I'm talking to you, you know, and during the conversation, it dropped to 35. And the nurse was looking at me, and she's like, you know, they couldn't figure out what was going on. I mean, it was just crazy. Two days after that, she took a, a, a huge payphone. She's a little lady, a little, you know, um, a lot older than what they showed in the, the show. Um, took a payphone off the wall and threw it across the room. And you know, and it, it, you know, and she ended up on my doorstep just briefly, and she ended up on my doorstep on Halloween, uh, 2005, um, with a gun behind her back to shoot me in the head. Uh, claiming that the um, that there was something beside her bed that was telling her to kill me, you wow. know, and she was supposed to hang herself. So, you know, it's it was it's a very horrible story. I mean, you know, they didn't they did not. There's a lot more. I cannot even begin to tell you how much more, and they did not even touch anything. It was you know, there was stuff that was you know. Uh, that was very frightening that they didn't even touch, and you know, and, you're, and I'm sitting there watching it, and it, and I'm thinking, you know, my gosh, this is kind of like the Disney version, uh, you know, wow. very non-threatening. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, it, and so that's why the book was written. It's you definitely know, because it, it had to be put straight. It definitely sounds like it needs a uh, big screen adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, I don't know. You know, it's you know the the book is pretty horrible when you read it, and you know, um, people are find the book to be inspirational because it is a, a faith journey uh, of finding you know of finding of oneself too. I mean, you don't go through this without changing, you know, um, because at one point, you know, you know when I when we did find the find her help eventually, which was a priest, his name was Father Mark, he was, and I'm not Catholic, by the way, uh, you know, he, he, he um, asked if he could give me a blessing, um, and I asked him why, and he said, because I, I think you're under a demonic oppression, and I, I didn't know what demonic oppression meant by that point, and I'm like, demonic what, and I'm like, no, I don't think so, but you can go ahead and bless me, and he said, close your eyes. And he, and he put his hand on me, and he started to pray. And as he started to pray, I couldn't breathe. And uh, as the prayer went, I, I, was, I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't breathe, and I thought, my God, I'm going to pass out. And all of a sudden, there were these flashes of white light in my eyes, and they were actually audible. They made a sound. Um, and at that moment, I could start breathing, and I became in complete peace. And that was when the oppression actually was lifted. Um, he knew exactly what he's doing now with the knowledge that I have today. Yeah, I was, I, I was pretty far down. <laughs> uh, I was pretty far wow. down. I, I, I was, I was, I was two steps out of the doorway. <laughs> have you, uh, since gone back to that house with a team to try and figure yeah. out what's going on in there? Well, the phone call will come someday. Uh, the people that are living in there right now is the first family that's lived there in a period, uh, well, the first family since I've left there. Uh, they've been living there for a year and a half now that um, have been living there in peace. We don't know why. Um, I talked to them, I guess it was Halloween. Um, I talked to the husband, and not Halloween, but the Halloween before, and he said that, uh, you know, that things are pretty good. They're quiet. Oh, that's um, good. You know, but the thing is, is he, he believes in the paranormal. Um, and, and they've got a pretty good religious base going for him too. You know, I, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. You know, uh, one can only think. You know, and I can only hope that some of the stuff that we did uh, to get the house uh, cleansed for, hopefully, for people to be able to live there in peace, maybe it worked finally. 
Um, but the last time I talked to the landlady was an email, and it was right after I got uh, Linda out of the house, and the next family was moving in. They were moving in with children. Uh, she wrote me, and she said, I, I can hear the children playing upstairs. They're running around uh, the roundabout because they had a roundabout thing. Uh, you know, and their, their parents are going to stop them from doing that really, really soon. She goes, um, I can hear the little angel screams. I hope the guardian angel's watching over them tonight. She said this? Yeah, that's what she wrote me. Oh. And, wow. you know, it's, what's interesting is, you know, in the book, you, you, you read it, the emails word for word. You know, that's why I had to change her, uh, her text in the book. So, but, yeah, you know, I didn't care. I didn't care. They cared, but I didn't care. You know, I was like, you know, this woman is doing, you know, hor a horrible injustice to these, these people, and these families. You know, the, the people that lived there before me, I talked to the gentleman, and he was, he was a, a wrestler, a big, big guy. And um, he came up to me and John Zappas, came all the way from Missouri and to Kentucky. Um, there was a conference, I guess, a paranormal conference. It was the Mid-South Conference of 2007. Uh, and John Zaffis and I were standing there, and he comes up to us, and he introduces himself, and he starts to talk to us. And he says, it was 2006, I think it was 2007, 2006, I don't remember which year. But John and I were standing there, and he starts to talk to us. And um, he said, uh, he goes, I, I've been wanting to introduce myself to you. And he, he explains who he was. And as he starts telling me a story, this guy breaks down and starts crying. And it's a big guy. And uh, he talks about bite marks that when that he would wake up in the morning with bite marks that would go up his calves and scratches that went down his back. Um, he there were some things that he wouldn't get into. He you know, um, but the insinuation was that there was probably rape involved. You know, wow. um, yeah, you know, you know, in this guy, you know, you you have this 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 huge uh, behemoth of a, a of a man built, you know. And you just see them crumble in front of you. I mean, John and, you know, John looked at me and I looked at John and John's like, oh, my God, you know, you know, what do you do? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing that she was doing to families over and over and over again. Well, Stephen, you're you an, know. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're an investigator. Tell us about your humanistic approach to investigating. Wow. You, you, nobody asks that question anymore. Uh. Really? <laughs> You know, and I'm glad you did because it's it's very important. You know, when when I went to look for help, and when when Linda and I went to look for help for the house, um, we decided to um, the first psychic that we we went the psychic route first. Um, she was thrown against the wall, by the way. Um, not that she she didn't help, but it wasn't the right way to go. Um, but the groups that we we went, I think we brought every bad group in that was out there at the time. You know. Um, they were pot smokers or they were drinkers or uh. I mean, literally smoking pot in the car before they came to the house. Wow. Um, yeah, you know, they would come in they would grab evidence and say, okay, we'll get back to you. And then we never hear from them again. Um, they would tell us, you know, okay, you gotta, you know, um, this house has got a really bad, something really bad here. We can't handle that. See you later. Or they wouldn't say nothing at all. You know, so, or, the, you know, and I, and then I saw the, the real scientific, what, what people think is real scientific, you know, and the truth of the matter is if you're going to do a, a real scientific 
um, experiment that you know it's you know a controlled situation is not going to be something that you can do over yeah. an overnight investigation. A controlled situation is a probably a five year experiment in a controlled environment. Exactly. Um, you know, um, you know, we, we let's not fool ourselves when we think that we're running around doing uh, a scientific investigation. We're using we're using an equipment that is scientific, maybe. Um, but we're not even using the equipment that uh, what it's for you made for, you know. Yes. So you know, but you know, and at that point, every everybody was saying we're doing scientific. It's all scientific. It's all scientific, you know. And it's like we don't want to talk to the family, get the family out of the house, you know. And it, it just struck me, you know. And then I saw the bad side of everything, and it was like, wow, you know, there is no understanding. There's no middle of the road here. Well, you know. You know, I understand, you know, the use of what you're trying to do and the gathering of evidence to prove whatever you want to prove, you know, and I and I understand that. But there's also this other side that you're dealing with something that, you know, of spirit, which is of, of, of soul, which is of people. How could you take the people experience out? How could you take the senses out of that? Well, talking you know, to the people. Well. You, talk- you know, you've got to do, use both. And so that's kind of what the humanistic approach is. It's, you know, using science and people and hitting that in the middle of the road and doing it in, in, a, in a more uh, a responsible way. Uh, it's actually kind of, a you know, with, with a little bit of customer service thrown in there because we don't realize that when we go and we don't get paid, mind you, but when we go into a house that still is a client, that is still a customer. They're letting us in our house, which is payment for the service that we are about to do. Absolutely. You know, you know, and people were forgetting that. And, it, it, you know, and being on both sides of the fence, I, you know, that's where the humanistic approach came from. You know, it's like, okay, here, you know, do your lockdown, put your equipment in, lock down the house. That's as close to a scientific experiment that you're going to get, you know, a controlled environment. Do it that way. But then come in and, you know, use the family. Who's your expert on a haunting? It's the it's the person that's living through the haunting. Right. Talking to them, you, know? you get all the information. You find out what's going on, when it happens, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Absolutely. You know, but you would be surprised how many people that would tell us, you know, you just sit here. We don't want to even talk to you. <sighs> you know, we want to figure this out on our own. You know, it's like, well, who who are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. So, you know, so it was, there was, it really kind of angered me. And out of that anger and seeing the need uh, for different, that, that's why I went into investigation. And when, that's why I do the private work that I do today. I'm a lot less scientific about the work that I do today than uh, probably most people. I mean, we carry in a video camera and we might carry uh, a recorder with us, uh, you know, but the thing is, is what we do is not about the gathering of evidence. You know, there's two different, there's two different distinct, distinct uh, types of work going on out there as far as paranormal goes. There's research, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink at it if you're doing research. But when you're doing these private cases and this private work, that's not research. That's helping people. There's a difference. And gathering of evidence in those cases um, is not our goal. Our goal is to find out what's going on for these families, to, whether it's paranormal or not, and to settle it, whether it's medical, psychological, or spiritual, or all of the above. 
Yeah, in a video camera, in a, a, a recorder, or an EMF, or a novelist, you know, or I can go through the whole list of things that you can <laughs> go down, is not going to do that for us. You know, you know, when we go in, as a matter of fact, we'll use the recorder for interview. And um, I have luck. We, we had a case once where we used the recorder that I was having trouble uh, cracking. I knew there was something. Um, once you're touched by something bad, uh, when you go into some of these bad cases, sometimes it'll try to hide from you. And this is one of those, those situations. So I, I said Fireman Tim, and by the way, that's, we call him Fireman Tim because he used to be a fireman. <laughs> but he went in with the recorder, and in the process, you know, I said, go in with the recorder in the interview. Um, we'll use it that way. And in the process of that, that interview, um, we used the digital recorder. He was interviewing her. In, in this case, um, the, the young girl was four years old. Um, she was claiming that her doll was um, telling her to kill her four-month-year-old brother. Wow. Uh, so he went to interview her. Now, we, we, we were focusing on the little girl thinking, well, maybe it's her. turned out that it was the mother in the interview. Was, things started coming out. Because when we started interviewing, it sounded like three voices on, that were on the top of hers just going with her. And then all of a sudden, they started breaking off, and you started hearing killer. You know, stuff like that. And uh, at one point she said, I went into the kitchen and the refrigerator door was open. And this low voice, it's the first time we heard the demonic voice when I opened the refrigerator. Wow. And at that point I went, I knew exactly, case closed, you know. You know, uh, anyway, we, 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 that, that case ended in an exorcism. And uh was a very, very, very difficult case. But that's how we use the equipment. It's not used for what you would use it for. Or somebody else. I don't, I don't know what kind of work you guys do, but you know, it's not what a research group would use it for. Right. Um, you I, wouldn't see the taps using it probably for that. Uh, even though I love those guys. Now, you know, and, and sometimes people get me wrong when I do that because there's some very good work going on out there, and there's some very good research groups, and I love research guys. You know, and I could go out and research with you guys. I am one of the best EVP people that you'll ever see. It's just not the work that I do now. Right. Well, everybody has their different approach to investigating, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Helping people. Yeah. Now, what percentage would you say of cases you've come across that have been, uh, for lack of a better word, demonic in nature? Less than a half percent, if that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hype right now. Yeah. Uh, right. You know. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it cracks me up right now because we got demonologists here, demonologists there, demonologists, 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 demonologists. Uh, there's not yeah. enough demons out there for demonologists right now. <laughs> Sorry. There's not enough cases to keep these guys in work. I don't know why they're all doing it. Uh, plain and simple, <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know why you're going into work that, you know, you know, uh, you're not going to have too much work in the area because, uh, quite frankly, there's not enough cases out there for you to work. But, you know, because there is very, very few. They're very rare. Well, yeah. how do you, the demonic right. cases are rare. How do you tell the difference between a demonic spirit and just a bad ghost? Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. It's a duck. You know, I mean, you do. You know, uh, you really can tell. You know, it's, it, it, you know, these things, when you get into the demonic, it really does follow a cycle. 
Um, you know, you know, Gerald Brittle uh, was brilliant. If you guys ever get a chance to read The Demonologist by Gerald Brittle, I think he describes it probably the best I've ever heard it described. And he talks about five different stages. Um, some of the others in the Catholic Church describes the three stages, but Gerald describes it into five, which is the invitation, where you actually invite, you know, you have to invite it in. You know, something happens along the line where you ask this to come in. You know, um, and then you go through your infestation where, you know, um, the first things start happening um, to the oppression, which it just layers itself on top of each other to possession, which is, you know, and then after possession, Gerald Brittle adds death because the ultimate idea is the destruction of the human, you know, uh, you know, which is the idea. But, um, you know, they, they work in very different ways. And, you know, let's face it, a ghost is not going to have enough energy to, this is, this is a good way, guys, to tell. A ghost, if you go into a house, let's say, a, and you see, um, you see a television flying across, turn around, walk out the door, and go get an exorcist, because I guarantee you that's demonic. If you go in the house and, you know, you see uh, um, a pill bottle, go uh, fly across the room that's probably a ghost you know a ghost is probably a pound or less you know right, right. big objects yeah. if it's moving big objects that's demonic uh, a regular ghost is not good a regular spirit is not going to be able to do that speaking of demons did you see paranormal activity yes i did what did you think of that um my son my son and i watched it uh some of it was good some of it was good um the pounding, you know, we lived with some of that, uh, you know, so uh, my dad, you know, when I would go in to get uh, close for the kids, my dad, for some reason, every time he would walk into that house, it would pound like that, you know, so I found that, you know, interesting in the growling, you know, I've heard the growling, you know, uh, you know, in the union case and other cases as well. There was some of it that, you know, they did some research, um, but there was some of it they didn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, everybody hates the ending and I love the ending. The ending scared the hell out of me. I thought the ending was cool. <laughs> you know, when she got drugged down the hall, I thought I wanted to know how they did that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I thought the ending was really cool, you know, but, you know, we have been through this, you know, so we're sitting there watching it and she's standing over him in the middle of the night. And my son looks at me and goes, you, you, you know, he's 19 now. He looks at me and he goes, he's dead. <laughs> you know, he, he understood. But the thing is, you, you know, that we got, you look at the end of the story and, and she's missing and they can't find her. And it's like, no, she would have been there. Mm -hmm. She would have either killed herself or she would have been there. Well, if you've seen the alternate ending, she did. But if you, you know, she would have been there because that, that would have been a step to her destruction, you know, she wouldn't have just been missing, you know, right. uh, it would have wanted, it would have wanted that tagged on her, I'm afraid, you know, uh, you know, but the th another thing about it that got me was, you know, he was doing some really stupid stuff, you know, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, he, he was, he was, you know, you never investigate your own haunting, but the <laughs> thing is, is the video camera, uh, we, we were sitting here talking about we were watching it, and I, you know, I looked at him. I said, you know, the, the most unrealistic thing about paranormal state was the fact that it was on video, and he was getting these videos because if it was a demonic, the demonic wouldn't have let you videotape it. Right. So they would have broke that camera. It would have knocked that camera down. If that camera would have malfunctioned, there is no way in hell that he would have got that. 
I would guarantee you on it because I have seen it happen time and time and time and time again. If, you know, and that's the truth. You know, if you want to, if you want to calm a demonic down, if we're in a demonic case and you want to get them to sleep at night, you put a, you put a recorder in their room and I guarantee you they're going to be sleeping like babies. <laughs> and, because, and it's the truth because the demonic will not, you know, it seems like it will not majority of the time. There's very rare cases that that if somebody has been able to capture something, they don't want to give you the satis- they don't want to give you the satisfaction of getting them on. Film. Well, maybe that's how to keep them away. Just keep recorders running all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's true. You know, maybe you know you, that that would that's a good idea. But obviously, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. But you know, but that's what the unrealistic thing. And the other unrealistic thing is the length that it took for the attack. Um, it, it probably would have went a little quicker than that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, you know, she claimed that she that she had this stuff happening to her all her life. Well, you know, there are haunted people. You know, you know, she, she was a, you know, there's a thing where, um, that, and I've never come across one of these cases where someone is born with a demonic attachment. Um, the closest thing I've come to it is my friend Denise, you know, her son Michael, who can see ghosts. You know, he deals with the demonic all of his life. But, um, but, you know, that's what she was kind of insinuating, that she picked this demon up years ago. Um, right. I think it probably would have attacked her way before then. But, yeah. yeah, things would have been a lot worse by then. Yeah, yeah. don't you? You know, yeah. I, you know, I do. I think it would have been, you know, it would have escalated much past that time. I don't think she would have even had a chance to get married. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. had so, a boyfriend um, Steven, if they weren't married. Steven, yeah. you, just finished, um, you just finished a new book, right? Can you get, give mm-hmm. us a hint of uh, what that book is about? Yeah, you guys are going. You guys, I haven't talked about it with anybody yet. You guys are going to get the first. Oh, uh, wait. Uh, yeah. Hold I on. I got to play. Uh, I got to play a little music for that then. I hate. I, I you know I I I've read every book out there on the paranormal <laughs> that you could think of because one of my things is if you live through something you you. And, um, you know, that's what I did from 2001 to 2004 when I was having the, the, the personal attacks and the nightmares and all that was I was reading, trying to figure out what was going on with me. So I've read every paranormal book, you know, and all the books, you know, are pretty generic, pretty much, you know, um, you know, the investigative books, you know, are pretty, you know, okay, this is where this is. And, you know, it's very sanitized, let's put it. And you know, and they they come they they come things at the wrong approach because the question is is questions about death. What we're questioning is is life and death, and what happens to us after death. You know, the, but never do we really answer those questions or look at those questions within a paranormal research report. Uh, you know, why is the haunting happening? How did this haunting happening, and how did it get there? Um, a lot of times you'll use sensitives or psychics, I tend to call them sensitives, on an investigation. Um, and they all usually come up, and they, they are the, what I consider the detectives. And the detectives that they help to piece some of the story together. Uh, it happens all the time. You know, detectives use profilers all the time. I think they're the paranormal profilers. Well, what's happening is we're not, you never hear the story side of things. You know, so what what, what it was is I I got tired of reading the sanitized books. And I've been saying all along, you know, where we're going to learn things is within the stories. You know, you've got to go back into the past of what happened, and you've got to take it from the past to forward. Mm 
Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so if you if you got a case, you know, let's start with what our profilers, our paranormal profilers, and you know, the evidence that you did collect tells us. Let's piece it together as much as we can to tell us what happened, and then let's take it forward through the investigation to try to figure out why this happened, what caused the haunting, how we could avoid the haunting, because we want to avoid it to happening to us or our loved ones, you know. Um, and then some other questions like, you know, what is the afterlife, um, hell on earth type of things. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it is, you know. It, it's it's taking a different approach to the investigative book. So when you sit down to read Crazy, you're going to sit down and it's going to start. Well, the first the first part of Crazy starts in Cambodia in 1969, and the first and it's going to take you all the way up through January of 2010. You know, it starts from the back and goes forward. You know, that's, that's a great then, approach. At the, at the, yeah, and at the end of Crazy, you know, it, it, you know, I, I looked at it and I said, well, this is cool. You know, I've taken you on the investigations that you know because you know I did I wasn't a true investigator at one point, you know, and I said, you know, and I showed you the work and how I do the work and what I do and how I do it and why we did it and what we were trying to piece together, you know, and then what you should probably be looking for instead of, you know, you know, the moon phase was, you don't care. The EMF reading was, I don't care. Tell me how this happened and why this has happened here now. You know, and if you're telling me there are spirits here, why the hell are they walking down the hallway back and forth for the rest of life? Because I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. You know, that's the question. That's more important. So when, once I get through that, you get to the end of the book, which is, okay, we've been through that. So now let's really go down the dark hole. Let's really take a look at things. And, I, you know, and one of the things about the extreme cases that I've worked, um, they always start with nightmares. And some of the nightmares are the most horrific things you've ever heard. And I really take you know, the the I, the end of the book. It actually takes the reader to hell with them, um, because we actually I actually share the nightmares with you. Um, there's about 15 of the most horrific things you've ever read in your life, and they will scare yeah. the hell out of you. Um, and okay. it discusses evil and what evil is, and uh, because it's all part. You know, you, this is all part of everything that we're doing. You know, and in the work that I do, you know, in what evil is and, and how it works and how it is around us at all times. Uh, my eyes are open to it because I live, I live through it. I work with it. You know, I work against it. Um, and how easy that is to come into your life and when it comes into your life, how it comes in your life, which is the nightmare. You know, there's a lot of people that suffer from these things. So, you know, that's how the book ends. And uh, the book is called Crazy because I'm talking about the most crazy things you've ever heard of in your life. Um, And, you know, it's really, I think it's really neat. My son stood over my shoulder for the two years. It took me two years to write it because it it was horrible because a lot of the characters that I were writing were going to hell or supposed hell. Uh, because one of the things that we found in research is that most of the EVPs in this contact that we've had with these spirits, they're screaming, help me, save me, right? Yeah, we've yeah. caught some uh, of those. Yeah. Now, why is that? Why is that? You know, and, and it struck me that by going backwards and trying to figure out how they got there to begin with, you know, 
you know, A equals A plus B equals C. How did they get there? I figure, you know, it figured out. I work. The fireman Tim's also a Baptist preacher, by the way. You know, one against everything that he ever believed in. <laughs> you know, um, I, I I I came up with the idea that maybe, just maybe, that you know, they that you know, they're in their own self-imposed hell. That you know, so, that hell is actually more like Jean Paul Sartre said that hell is other people, and hell is this thing within the mind. Yeah. You know, so. That was the thing. So when you read, you know, the characters, you know, he, he was reading behind my shoulder. Um, it took two years is because uh, some of the things that I were writing, these people were going to hell and they weren't very nice people. Completely opposite of anything I've ever done. You know, this book should offend people, too. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's parts of it that if, if it doesn't, if there's something in here in this book that you don't go, wow, that was, you know, that person was really horrible. Um, then you you know you need to be relooking your morals because these people are going to hell, you it's know. Fascinating. Yeah. So you know, I, I it's it's probably the most unusual paranormal, and I don't want to toot our horn, you know, because you know Denise Jones uh, wrote it, you know I wrote the book and then she went in and tuned it up. Um, it's probably the most unusual paranormal book I think that's ever been written because it answers it asks questions and tries to answer que- the questions that have never been asked. And to me, they're the logical questions. You know, the questions that we should be answering is, okay, this, this phenomenon is happening, but how is this phenomenon related to us? Because we're all going to be there one day. Right. Well, Stephen, you know? we're, uh, we're running short on time here, but when will the book be available? Well, we're looking at, because you guys, I just sent the, the manuscript to the publisher on Monday. So, you know, you have to go through marketing and all of that, you know. Right. I imagine that it'll probably be at the beginning of September. And this, don't hold me to it, <laughs> um, for, you know. But, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking then. Well, when the book comes out, we'd love to have you back on. We could chat with you for hours. Uh, you're a fascinating guest, and you seem to have a wealth of information. And it's, uh, it's horrific what you've gone through to get to this point, uh, you know dealing with that in your house and everything but i it sounds to me that uh you've grown from it and uh you know it's made you a better person <laughs> as strange as that may sound no absolutely absolutely you know, i get asked that question and it's like i'm a different person because of it i, I like who i am now you know yeah so and that's what counts you know i think you know anybody that goes through a raper you know uh or, you know, any natural disaster even. I mean, you, you go through that, the post-traumatic stress, one of the steps to come out of post-traumatic stress is to find the positive. Uh, and that's, you know, I talk about that, you know, the thing is, is guys remember, you know, to keep yourself safe is you just remember that we're all interconnected. It's love of each other. It's humor. It's a positive attitude. You know, those are the things that are going to keep you safe in life and it's faith. And I'm not talking about a religious faith. I'm talking about a spiritual faith. And as long as you keep those in your life, you, you know, you're going to be okay. Well, Stephen Lachance, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And do you have a website where people could find you? Yeah, they can go to Stephen at StephenALachance.com. Those are for people that don't know me. Um, those of you that know me, MySpace and Facebook is the best place to come and chat. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. I enjoyed, the sh- I, I enjoyed being on the show. Thank you so much.